That number once again, 931-8988. Stream the show on demand at ketchikanradio.com. Well, hello there. Happy Monday, everyone. Michelle with the Chamber here for Business Matters Monday. Hey, did you notice a little skipping in that ABC News feed? Well, okay, that's not the radio station. That's your friendly sunspots doing their action. So you're going to see a little bit of that happening when there's a live satellite feed uh, coming, I believe, through March 2nd. Um, But hey, on the line, as we have every Monday, we've got Dave from the governor's office. Welcome. How are you? Well, what a difference up last monday it was president's day <laughs> all that oh yeah here i was here i was in the office working with you private sector people taking the day off what are you that's fine about? michelle <laughs> that's that's fine well okay it's all right you guys you guys have a lot going on i was happy to hear uh that washington state re- decided to uh shelve that bill about the fuel tax yeah, and for for listeners who may not have been aware, there was a, uh, a portion of a, I think it was like an infrastructure or capital project bill in the Washington State Legislature, and the the there was a proposal that fuels that were processed and exported outside of the state, so it would go to Idaho, Oregon, and Alaska, uh, disproportionately impacting southeast Alaska, would have like a six cent uh, a gallon additional tax on it. And, uh, you know, Governor Dunleavy, um, but imagine the other governors in Idaho and Oregon, whose names I have no idea, um, uh, probably sent out the same message to everybody saying, on, on top of all of this, and this was proposed uh, long before the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but uh, already we have seen energy costs jump in the past 16 to 18 months. We, we've seen all of you know, inflation impacting every part of Alaskans' lives. doesn't matter if it's you who are running the grocery store or you who are going to buy the groceries. Everybody in that equation is impacted by inflation. And so uh, that they that they I think it was like a, a subcommittee uh, pulled that portion of the bill out. So there, there's no indication that fuel is going to do anything but go up. But at least the state of Washington will no longer be intentionally targeting Alaskans contributing to it. Indeed. And, you know, I mean, it's pretty amazing. You know, you hear the stories in the lower 48, and I'm, I'm positive it's different up in Anchorage in the interior um, than it is in southeast. Uh, you know, people are waiting in gas lines and taking, you know, just bajillions of dollars to fill their tanks for what, you know, down south would be a normal commute to work. Uh, it makes me very thankful to be in Ketchikan where my commute is all of less than, we can get anywhere in town in less than seven and a half minutes, it seems like. No, but you 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 have the the derivative impact of of people who operate a boat, of mm-hmm. of people who uh, operate an aircraft, uh, home heating, uh, or other energy costs, and then you're paying for those energy costs again because it's factored into the produce that you buy, the goods that you purchase. It's factored into the cost of services because now your chamber members have to bake in either 
additional costs for transportation or wage costs because employees who I, I believe across the state remain as perhaps the most premium commodity available uh, are unavailable. So the the... All of that, I hate to come on the show and be such a, such a Dave, but, but all of that, and then, by the way, all of that was happening, despite what CBS News says, before Russia invaded Ukraine. <laughs> True. There, there, there was a report in, uh, like, Wednesday or Thursday saying, oh my goodness, uh, inflation is, is now a problem because Russia invaded Ukraine. Well, in, inflation is now an acute problem in Russia because their entire banking system has collapsed <laughs> uh, thanks to international sanctions. But we were on this trajectory for months prior to the invasion. I, no, I so, completely agree. And, and, and I mean, I'm not I'm not throwing uh, political stones at anyone. I'm just modestly observant. If if I want to if I want to drive up the value of something, I will announce that I am not going to produce more of it. I don't think that's a political statement, is it? That's simple economics. No, it's. I, I agree. No, if, if the if your demand is exceeding the supply, well, there goes your prices. Yes. And so when when an administration announces that in, in spite of everything you're seeing, in spite of everything you're paying, everything you're experiencing uh, along the supply chain and your kitchen tables at your homes, etc., no, no matter what you are experiencing, we are going to continue to ask for energy from the, the very sorts of people who thought waltzing into Ukraine was a good idea. Let's be absolutely honest. It, it, the, uh, whether it is uh, the Middle East, uh, we're still getting up to about 500,000 barrels of pure crude, about 700,000 barrels of, of crude and uh, oil-related products every day from Russia. Every day, those deliveries, we, we removed Russia from SWIFT, we, we, have, we have triangulated and isolated. I mean, when, the, when Switzerland is pulling your bank account, you have screwed up. And, and all of those things are happening, but the United States continues to purchase energy from Russia. Meanwhile, we have two potential production fields in the North Slope. That could, that could once go into production, put 250 to 325,000 barrels of oil into the Trans-Alaska Pipeline every day. So when you telegraph that you're not going to embrace responsible domestic resource development, we here in the office don't see energy prices dropping anytime soon. Well, I, I was going to bring that up, you know, because something that I've been thinking about, and this is Michelle thinking, not the official Chamber of Commerce thought pattern here. But I was wondering, I, I just don't, it makes no sense, no common sense to, we have all of this energy sitting right at our fingertips right here in the United States, basically to be relatively self-sufficient, right? Well, that's all been quashed when natural resource development has gone by the wayside now. Um, and now we are dependent outside of our own our own resources, as you stated, that are readily available. It just doesn't make sense. No, and, 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 and what's, what's real interesting is people will say, well, we need to get off fossil fuels, and sure, when would you like to do that? 
When would you like to to stop flying on commercial aircraft that use petroleum products? Uh, we, I, I think people may not be aware that we, we just endured a pandemic, and I guess it's over because science or something. I, I have no idea. So science or polling says uh, COVID pandemic is over. The, the average amount of petroleum-based products that goes into you getting tested for COVID it is underappreciated, or, or frankly, the general public is probably unaware. The, the plastic wrapping that goes uh, around the, the kit components, the plastic vials that hold the reactive fluid, the plastic stick that has the swab, the plastic tray with the reactive paper uh, that you put the, the swab on with the reactive agent, every part of that component is a byproduct of petroleum. Every part of that. Well, okay. And it was President's Day last week. We talked about that. You know, that's when everyone and their brother has a mattress sale, right? Well, that that nice foam mattress that you're laying on on your bed every night, uh, that's petroleum product. Now, I, I, I have relatives in, in the Midwest. My brother-in-law is a dairy farmer. Um, so, yeah, we come from fine Midwestern stock. I can tell you that... If people who want to shut down responsible resource development want to give up their petroleum-based foam mattress, he will raise more hay and straw so you can sleep on a bed of that. (laughs) That's an interesting thing. You know, I'm so glad that we're kind of talking along the vein of uh, resource development because after after we're done chatting, I actually have the great pleasure of having Marco Shear from um, Seagrove Kelp coming on. And we're going to be talking about that resource development, uh, you know, mariculture and its potential growth in Alaska. Oh, it's a fantastic industry, and, and I'll tell you, as someone who comes from an area where agribusiness is big, mariculture Here's what what Just Dave would love to do. Just Dave would love to set up an exclusive supply contract of fresh Alaska farmed oysters to every casino in Vegas. The plane pays for itself, and when when you go, and and people don't think people eat seafood in Vegas, good Lord, there's oyster bars all over the place. Uh, What a great partnership that would be, and and we could all get discounted flights to Vegas, so I'm in for all of that. But I don't want to take up any more of, of our time. Uh, you got a great guest and, and a great topic. Oh, yeah, we've got a couple more minutes. Um, All I, right. I was going to just ask you, you know, I always have to ask this, you know, so I, we get the Katie Capozzi capital notes. They just popped into my email box, and big on her radar is the budget this week. Got any new developments in that area? So we we fully I, I said this last week uh, to, to somebody I can't remember who so we're, we're now in like the dog days of the legislative session there there are subcommittee and committee hearings every single day I know people the, the, the drive-by people say well they're not doing anything in June no 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 you, you look at the calendar you look at the daily calendar and if you listen to hearings there, there are people taking meetings, going through the budget, going through amendments to the budget, components of the budget right now. So I I, I think what you're probably going to see here in the next couple weeks is the House either put the budget on the floor, be very close to putting the budget to a vote on the floor, and then it'll go to the Senate. Um, I know there are some things that a subcommittee removed from the governor's budget that we'd like to see back in, Um, you know, 
uh, funding, additional funding for the Whammy program uh, sticks out like a sore thumb. We'd, we'd love to see additional funding for the Statehood Defense uh, Legal Fund that we, we spend a lot of time in court fighting to keep Alaska a sovereign state and not a colonial byproduct of the lower 48. But but when, when you're removing things and adjusting things, it, it shows that in House Finance and, and other committees, you're getting there. So I, I, I think Katie's right. Um, that that of course it's it's always it's it's the economy stupid right wasn't that James Carville's bit decades ago it, it remains a truism to today and uh, Alaska a portion of Alaska's economy is driven by state dollars and more so than probably aside from Hawaii any other state in the union the private sector which would love to be completely divorced from the political process is sort of unfortunately shotgun married to the budget. And so we, we, we monitor that uh, just, just as closely as you and Katie do. Right, indeed. And, you know, if tell me if my memory's failing me, who knows, but I feel like they're getting some work done earlier than last year. Uh, it, it, it seems so. Okay, it, it I, I felt like it was so. like the 11th hour and 59 seconds last you know well remember last year we had like four special sessions and and so it's it's the campfire song this is the song that ends uh so so there was a bit of that um but yeah i i think uh people want to get home to their districts some people want to campaign some people aren't campaigning ever again and just want to be done with the whole business and you have all of that, and, and frankly, uh, a lot of people do not want to go back after Alaskans in every district across the state have been feeling the financial pressure that they've been feeling without saying, we got this fixed. True, true. Okay, good I mean, every one of your chamber members it, it has to every day come up with a new patchwork fix because of supply chain and labor challenges. Absolutely. So, I'm hearing it day in and day out from our members. You know, they're they're really struggling here locally with the rising costs of goods. Uh, then you've got the employee factor in there, uh, needing employees. And they're like, I, you know, there's only so much I can pass on to my customer. Yeah. Because they're all in the same fiscal financial boat. Right. Right. So, I mean, you know, you think we're thinking state budget and and but then, you know, everyone else around the state is thinking either their own personal wallet or their business budget. You know, it's budgets, budgets, budgets everywhere right now because of inflation and supply chain issues and everything else. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yep. I, yep. Absolutely. So what are we going to talk about next week? Are you going to have something cool up your sleeve? Well, next week, uh, Michelle, is uh, spring break week here at the Anchorage School District, and my daughter is a senior, and my wife and daughter have conspired against me, so we are doing what I absolutely detest, and that is traveling during spring break. Ooh, well, alrighty then. So we will not expect you to call in from Hawaii or wherever it may be next week. Uh, we'll we'll let you have a little reprieve, and you can, uh, I don't know, somehow get through the torture of your travel. I hear margaritas help amazingly in that regard. <laughs> si, si, senor. <laughs> that, that was a recommendation by, by Ms. Capozzi. So uh, any any bad decisions I make, I'm going to blame the state chamber for. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, thank you so much for calling. Absolutely. You all have a great week. We'll chat with you on the 14th. All right. See you then. Bye-bye.
Cheers. Bye. I always love talking to Dave. Hey, while we wait for Marco to uh, call in, just got a couple of minutes here. Uh, don't forget about the Chamber Lunch uh, happening this Wednesday. That's at noon up at the Cape Fox Lodge in person. $20 for members, $25 for non-members. And the featured speaker this week is Mayor Rodney Dial giving a State of the Borough address. Now, I have found his uh, pre or the mayor's presentations over the years when they talk about the State of the Borough to actually be quite fascinating. And they come really prepared with a lot of information to unpack and share with everyone and good good time for Q&A if you have any Q&A. Now, I will tell you that because the Cape Fox has been uh, booked, they, they're very busy this week, and so we have the smaller room. So I would highly recommend getting there early, and uh, we should have room. We'll have a buffet lunch uh, this week, and so it should be a great presentation. And then on, I believe it's the 16th, uh, whatever the third Wednesday is in March, we'll be learning, and this is really timely given the whole Ukraine situation, we're actually going to have a presentation on rare earth minerals in Southeast, and so that'll be the second chamber lunch of March. And remember, members, non-members, Everyone is welcome, and we'd love to have you. Also, speaking of getting involved in various issues, we are now setting up a very robust committee system at the Chamber. There are several to choose from. This is a whole variety of different time commitments. Some will meet quarterly, some will meet more than that, some just meet periodically. Uh, so we're going to be having that on our website later this week. But, you know, you've got things like the events committee. Those are the folks that help plan the 4th of July parade and stuff like that. We've got the natural resources committee, timber mining, fishing, minerals. Uh, we've got the Ketchikan Marine Industry Council committee. Uh, that's headed up by Larry Taylor. And then the transportation committee, that's land, air, and water. Uh, that is forming. We are also going to look into, because we've had a lot of requests for this, a downtown business Business Association Committee. Um, that has been at the request of our members. And as I've said many, many times, if you have something that interests you, then by all means say, hey, how come the chamber's not doing this? Or I'd like to see this happen at the chamber. You can absolutely reach out to us and, and we will try our hardest. So we also have the Remote Workers Committee and the Economic Development Committee. Uh, the Remote Workers Committee uh, met last week. Uh, interviewed our first uh, family that is interested in moving to Ketchikan as a remote worker, um, and that went quite well. Hey, that, I bet you that's Mark. Good morning. You are on First City Forum. Yes, good morning. Uh, this is Mark Shear. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well this morning. How are you? Hey, thanks for joining us. And... Uh, we are excited. I was actually just talking with, about natural resources with Dave Steeren from the governor's office. And so you got a little tea up there. Uh, for those that are just joining us, we've got Shear <coughs> from uh, Seagrove Kelp. He's the CEO. He also happens to be the president of uh, Southeast Conference right now. So, hey, this is the reason. Uh, there was a couple of articles last week that really caught my eye. Um, and one of them was put out by Southeast Conference about the, the quite sizable grant um, that Southeast Conference was able to grab for mariculture development in Southeast. And, of course, you play an integral part in that. Um, and, and so let's talk a little bit. A, I'd like to know what's happening in mariculture, specifically um, kelp farming in Southeast right now. And where do you hope it goes in the next five or ten years? 
Yeah, thank you very much for the opportunity uh, to, to talk with you. And and I think, uh, uh, you know, I think mariculture is a very exciting opportunity for uh, for southeast Alaska and all of coastal Alaska, for that matter. Uh, you know, I've been a uh, I've been involved with the Alaska Fishery Development Foundation for about 15 years, and we, uh, which in mariculture has been a big part of the emphasis for AFDF. Uh, in the last seven or eight years, and uh, I just uh, I was the president of Southeast Conference. I uh, uh, Alec Nesdeg is now I uh, uh, he took over in uh, uh, in the fall, uh, but I still am on the Southeast Conference board. Just for a little a little clarification, I don't want to steal uh, Alex's thunder there. Um, and uh, but uh, but I think uh, Southeast Conference has been a, a really terrific advocate for. Uh, mariculture in Southeast. I think they've done a, a tremendous job of going out and, and helping uh, convey the opportunity uh, for what mariculture can mean to to Southeast in particular. You know, and it's something that's near and dear to you know, to, to me. Uh, both my both Hillary and I are, uh, are uh, Ketchikan High School graduates. Uh, you know, we, uh, we have family throughout, and and we think that that mariculture represents this really interesting and sustainable economic opportunity. Uh, that, you know, in, in my mind, I think has uh, potential to uh, to be to what Southeast, what uh, or what the timber industry was um, 35 years ago. Um, you know, I, I think that's the that that's the vision, and uh, you know, it is. You know, mariculture, interestingly, has been part of Southern Southeast in particular for almost a hundred years, uh, or more than a hundred years. The first oyster farms were put in south of Ketchikan in, uh, in 1910, and and uh, uh, so you know, this is something that has been in development for a very very long time. And I and I think that what we're seeing now is it really kind of lots of really important pieces coming together to to help accelerate that development. Um, okay, so the I'm, work I'm gonna, of the, uh, hey Mark, I'm going to jump in here for a sec. I want to I want to just kind of give people an illustration just a little bit. All right, so a lot of people because they're unfamiliar with mariculture, when they think. Um, kelp they're thinking oh barnacle foods or you know foraged and found or or places like it but there's actually a wide array of uses um and you correct me if i'm wrong but i thought what i read was it's used in cosmetics it's used in various pet foods i mean there's a bunch of different uses am i right on that uh, you are absolutely right on that. Now, seaweed production globally is uh, is a very, very large industry with more than 31 million tons of seaweed uh, farmed and produced around the world. Um, you know, there's more seaweed produced in the world than there are lemons and limes, uh, and uh, it is uh, it's used in a wide variety. It's used in uh, pet foods. It's used in fertilizers. It's used in uh, derivatives like carrageenan and alginates are used in a variety of products, many of which people have 
excuse me, ranch dressing and cheeses and ice creams and things like that, uh, and cosmetics and uh, uh, and nutraceuticals because of the really exceptional nutritional content in in many foods. There's a uh, there are um, just a an almost unlimited number of uses used in it can be used uh, in could be used in biofuels uh, it could be used in uh, there are a number of uh, companies that are developing um, biodegradable packaging plastic substitutes that uh, are derivative from seaweeds so the, the the potential for for that type of value added production from seaweeds is almost unlimited. So I think, uh, th- see, that's amazing. And I, I don't know if a lot of people are aware of that. I mean, so they're really that, what, what that spells out is virtually endless possibilities of industry growth. But I, I feel like I read uh, also that over the years, the biggest hurdle for the industry has actually been permitting. Can you explain that a little bit? Um, yeah, so the permitting process, the, the way that uh, if you wanted to start a, uh, a place to culture seaweeds, you would have to get a tidal and lease from, uh, from the state if it's in state waters uh, or from the feds if it's in federal waters offshore. Uh, you know, and it's the same, uh, you know, like the, you know, the docks and catch can have, you know, like where four has a tidal and lease. It's a similar process where you apply to DNR for lease, you explain what you want to do, you go through that process. Uh, you know, I think the state has done uh, a really good work at, at staffing up to uh, to be able to uh, respond to site leases over time. The uh, it is a it is a process. Uh, but I think it's a process that uh, uh, that that people that want to do it can get through. Um, you know, I, I think that as much as that may be a threshold challenge for folks getting in, you know, there are, there have been tidal leases for uh, uh, for shellfish, you know, all around around Ketchikan and uh, and Prince of Wales for decades. So it, it certainly can be done. Um, it, yeah, I, I don't know that that is the biggest issue. I think that probably the, the the biggest challenge is uh, is getting enough people involved in it so that it has this critical mass where it can support itself, and that's going to require capital and market development and product development and people that want to go do it. I think that's the uh, that's a those are more important um, challenges for the for the industry at, at this stage is to find all of those pieces and get them together so that we can create this and help it reach its potential. How is the, how is this, how is it processed? So you grow it, you <coughs> farm it, and then you have to ship it somewhere so it can be used. What, how is it processed and then transported? <coughs> well, most of, uh, it depends on what you want to do with it. Now, if you, uh, most of the product that we've grown in the last several years, uh, we have transported uh, wet from the farm to the processing facility. Most of our product has been processed at EC Phillips, and they've done a great job. Uh, and it is, uh, and then we will we'll fresh uh, make it into a fresh frozen product, which then we. Uh, uh, we will ship the frozen product out for delivery to various customers. So that's been most of what we've done. Uh, 
there can be others that will uh, look to dry it and sell a, ship a, ship a dried product. Others like Forged and Found and Barnacle and folks like that will make it, uh, will typically will, uh, will hold it and, and make their value-added product and store it in the form of some, some great product like a relish or a pickle or a hot sauce or something like that. Huh. All right. So the big grant that Southeast Conference got, explain that, explain that to folks, because I understand it's a kind of a two-part grant, one of which, one of which is um, direct, uh, hopefully I'm saying this right, but then the other part of it is going to make it possible for us to apply for a $50 million grant. So there are two grants that Southeast Conference has been instrumental in putting together. The first is is a local grant uh, for from uh, from the USDA that uh, was a five hundred thousand dollars to develop a concept for uh, a mariculture incubator on Prince of Wales Island, and that is a separate but parallel project that they're working on. They just started that process in February. The uh, second is the Build Back Better grant uh, competition opportunity, and that is the larger statewide development. So in October, uh, Southeast Conference and a really broad coalition of partners, including uh, economic development uh, 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 um, uh, folks from uh, around coastal Alaska, Plinkett uh, Haida, I know, was part of that coalition, AFDF, the, the, the newly created Alaska Mariculture Alliance, which is the uh, successor to the Alaska Mariculture Task Force, and a, and a range of other folks were applied for uh, a phase one of the Build Back Better grant. They were awarded that in December, and along with that came $500,000 to develop a phase two. Uh, that phase two is the larger, uh, perhaps $50 million grant package, which is to go to broader statewide mariculture development in innovation and research and, uh, research and uh, marketing and market development and product development and a variety of other things to really help stand up the, the industry statewide and, and, uh, and, uh, and you know, help it reach its potential sooner. The Alaska Mariculture Task Force in their in their development plan had uh, had set a target for an industry that was a hundred million dollars in twenty years, and with with these uh, with these developments, it's highly likely that the state may reach that before twenty years. That's amazing. So let's you you made a mention of timber, you know, timber in its heyday in Southeast Alaska. If this thing really explodes and kicks off and becomes a major Southeast Alaska industry, well, it could be a major Alaskan industry, but let's talk Southeast particularly. How many how many people could be employed? Uh, you know, the, the prospect of it, it could potentially employ thousands. Uh, when you think about, you have folks that are doing the farming, you have folks producing seed, you have folks that are producing direct, you know, just direct jobs, people that are doing value-added production like foraged and found or barnacle or people that are making cool, interesting products using this material here in Southeast. And then when you have this industry, you know, you've got welders and you've got, 
you know, people building things and supporting the rest of the industry and moving products around and moving goods around and packaging. So, you know, when you think about all of those people that are involved in every kind of economic activity, uh, you know, the, uh, the potential is, uh, is, is thousands, frankly, um, because, the, you know, the, the economic effect of this kind of development, you know, it, it's like a ripple on a pond, right? You know, you start in the middle and the, and the benefit goes out uh, to all oh, throughout the community, just like the timber industry uh, uh, in, in the 70s and 80s and, um, and any other industry that we have that's become a, a key part of Southeastern's economy. Oh, indeed. Hey, can we circle back around and talk about your company for a minute? Sure. Okay, so Seagrove Kelp is your company, and you're located over on Prince of Wales Island, correct? So we have two parts of our company. Uh, one is the nursery, uh, which uh, we operate in a collaboration with Oceans Alaska and Ketchikan. So we, uh, where we produce the uh, the seed, it's like a greenhouse for baby kelp. Where we uh, where we produce the seed that we introduce into the farm, and then the other part is where we grow the kelp uh, after it comes out of the greenhouse, and that's uh, that's outside of Craig on the west side of Prince of Wales. And how long have you been in business? So we started uh, building out the company in 2019. So we're about to do our third harvest, um, and we will do that harvest uh, in uh, April and May of uh, of this year. And who, okay, so you mentioned that you are uh, shipping wet product, and, and, and I'm assuming it's packaged. Who, who would it, where, where are you selling? Are, are you selling, say, restaurants, or what, which industry is kind of your target? Yeah, so we ship frozen product. Okay. When we, uh, yeah, so we'll ship it from the farm, uh, and uh, it'll be uh, this year primarily to be in, uh, in, in, you know, in our Estelvia, like a, with a tender, uh, much, much like you do salmon. Uh, and then the, uh, uh, and then it goes to the, the processing facility, which, where, it'll be, uh, where it'll be cleaned and packaged and frozen. And then those frozen vans are shipped to the market. Uh, some will stay here in Alaska, and some will get shipped uh, mostly to domestic markets in uh, in the uh, lower 48. And those markets we've, we've sold to um, other value-added uh, producers where they make different products from it. Uh, we've uh, sold it into a... a, a Retail fertilizer product, where they use it in their uh, in their uh, in their retail fertilizer, uh, and uh, and then we sell some directly to restaurants. We sell some uh, in, uh, in we have a we have a retail line that we started last year, which is like a frozen a, bo- a box of frozen spinach, and you can buy those uh, in a in a couple of stores in Southeast and in uh, and, uh, and and in Seattle. Oh, that's so cool. That's really neat. Do you feel like uh, you're going to branch out even more um, as, as you grow? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming mo- most people who start a business have a business plan. I mean, do you feel like that you're, you're poised in the, in the coming years to really kind of expand that domestic presence? Well, I've, I've always thought that, you know, that we want to be a diversified company, that we want to do several things. Uh, my next uh, goal is I'd like to get into shellfish and uh, uh, do uh, 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 the, 
producing uh, oysters and uh, in addition to seaweed, I think that's going to be a, uh, a great a great part of part of part of the potential industry. Um, and I think the opportunity for the Alaska brand to to leverage the Alaska seafood brand in markets outside of Alaska and in Alaska uh, is really, really good. And there's there's tremendous value because, you know, Alaska's a really, uh, you know, that, um, the Alaska brand is recognizable. It has value. And uh, and I think everyone in the state can can, can lean on that to, uh, to help them develop these new markets and new products. <laughs> you know, I'm giggling because Dave from the governor's office, he literally, he's like, oh, this is great that you're having Mark on, on next because here, tell him my idea. My idea is that every single casino in Vegas should be serving Alaska oysters and we should just fly them direct down. He just went on and on and on. It's very, it was very funny. But I, th- I agree with you. I think that the mariculture industry is poised for extreme growth and certainly um, bodes for a bright future here in Southeast. And, and to me, it's just a testament to the resiliency of people in Southeast Alaska. They just tend to think out of the box and make things happen when maybe, you know, for example, when timber kind of went away for the most part, you know, most people would see a dead end, whereas Alaskans, they see new possibilities. And so kudos to you for everything that you've done. And I can't wait, you know, maybe in uh, a couple months or several months to a year, we'll circle back around and, and see how that Build Back Better grant status is going. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you. And uh, I look forward to uh, to checking in in, uh, in, uh, in a year or so. And hopefully that... Uh, Build Back Better grant uh, proposal is due the 15th of March, so it's getting pretty close. And uh, if all goes well, they'll, uh, they'll know the answer by uh, hopefully by the end of the summer. So it could be faster than that that we see, see some action on that side. So well, it's, uh, it's, a quickly moving, it's a quickly moving project, and, uh, but one, I think, that can really make, a, make an impact on mariculture uh, on, uh, on in Alaska. I agree, and wouldn't it be cool to make a great positive announcement when Southeast Conference is being held in Ketchikan next September? It would be just about uh, as perfect as it could be. (laughs) I agree. Hey, thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay. Have a great day. Mm -hmm, Bye-bye. Well, that was indeed very, very interesting. And uh, if you'd like to be on Business Matters Monday or you have an issue or something that you'd like to talk about, just reach out to me, info at catchcanchamber.com. Now, if you're a local business, uh, this particular show we've made arrangements with Ketchikan Radio Center is basically reserved for chamber members. Uh, Not necessarily for issues, uh, because issues affect everyone. But uh, anyway, reach out, info at catchcanchamber.com. Hey, don't forget, Chamber Lunch. This Wednesday, 12 noon, featuring Mayor Rodney Dial. That's up at the Cape Fox Lodge. $20 for members, $25 for non-members. Everyone's welcome. And I certainly hope to see you there. Have a great rest of your day, friends.